You know, and we read so many Psalms that, that start off in a dark place, don't we? About, you know, David, David is the, the not just, he isn't just the king of Israel, he was the king of woe is me, isn't he? Woe is me, about, he opens a lot of his Psalms in like desperation and, and, and injustice and saying, why are all these bad people doing bad things to me? And he goes on a journey through the Psalm and he, he then, he, he eventually, or he kind of, incrementally starts to acknowledge the goodness of God by recalling the things God's done in the past and then by the end of the psalm he's singing praises to God for the hope that is to come and isn't that the journey of our lives you know that 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 we we don't always live in that high moment we don't always live in that place where we want to shout out the high praises to God there's moments where we want to just deliver what's on our heart and I want to encourage you with us this morning that when you are honest and vulnerable before God, when you tell him what is true about you, whether you might think it sounds like worship or not, that is worship. Because bringing your stuff, bringing your baggage to the Lord is an act of worship. Romans 12, Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is wholly acceptable to God. Every sacrifice, everything that we give out of our bodies, out of ourselves, brings glory to God because we're acknowledging him. We're acknowledging him. And he looks in us with compassion and mercy and forgiveness. You know, and that's our worship. It's almost like, I don't know if it's technically right, but I always get this thing like when we worship God, it's like we draw down his forgiveness. We draw down his mercy. We draw down his goodness upon us. And that's why it's important that we don't just live in the past. And it's why we don't just hang around waiting for the future to come. But in the moment, we acknowledge our past, good and bad. We give honor to God for what he's done. We live in the moment and we look forward to the hope that is to come. Yeah, amen. Amen. God is good. And, and songs are, are really... Like, like music in our culture and our times, music is everywhere, right? Um, you know, you, you put an advert on, or you put the TV on, you get, you get an advert, and, and they do songs that stick in your head. Like, even like really annoying songs, they stick in your head. And there's, there's power in songs, there's power in music, there's power in words that, that they remain in you. And, and our worship is important, and it's important what we sing in worship, because... What we were singing this morning, we will remember. I remember um, going to a, a conference a number of years ago, uh, and Graham Kendrick, remember Graham Kendrick? He was speaking at it, and he, he was talking about the importance. It was a, it was a conference for uh, worship teams and worship leaders, and he was talking about the importance of um, singing the right words, <laughs> singing words that were truthful and were biblical, and that, and he's saying, the reason he said, he goes, he said to us as worship leaders, as I was at the time, he said, what you do can be more important than what the preacher does, right? And of course, like, worship leaders, we're like, come on, right? And all the, all the pastors and preachers are saying, nah, no. And of course, I've crossed, I'm poacher turned gamekeeper now. But um, he said a line here, he said, he goes, the reason it's so important, he said, was because no one ever leaves a church gathering humming the sermon. No one leaves humming the sermon. And I thought, that's that brilliant. What we sing on a Sunday 
has to be truthful. It has to be scriptural. It has to be from God because that's the stuff that you're going to go away singing. How often do you quote a song? How, you know, there was a, there was a, a line in one of the songs we, we sang that says, his loving kindness leads us to repentance. I'd never heard anybody say that out loud until we started singing that song. But people say that, right? That line has become a kind of line that we, we hear. The songs that we sing are powerful. The songs that we sing are important. And it's important that we continue to sing new songs. And I'm not really kind of going there today, but, but you know, songs that are written for today and for now are important. You know, the, 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 hymns, the hymns that were written in the bygone days are great. I love hymns. I love the old songs. I love the stuff I grew up with in the 70s and 80s. But they're not better than what's happening just now, right? Our God is a creative God. He's a God with forward momentum. And he wants all the gifts and talents that we have experienced from the past to be used in the present and the future. Some of the words of those songs we sang this morning were awesome. Like they, were, they, go, they go down deep. They're truthful, they're truthful words. And it shouldn't be a competition. It shouldn't be that we go after one genre or one style over another. I guess for us, it depends on each church has its preference. The way we do worship is our preferred way of doing it. It doesn't mean it's the right way. It doesn't mean the best way. It's just the we prefer doing it. And other churches have other styles. And it's equally relevant and, and equally adequate, if you like, as, as, as what we do. Um, so it's not about that. But bringing God a new song and, and, and a new, I don't know, a new presentation of where we are at. That's what he's looking for. Music is important, as I say. I, I, I'm talking about, you know, being stuck in the past. I'm, I was a teenager in the 80s, and, and I don't know what age it is you get to, but the point where you, you, you're into new music, and then you kind of stop, and you only listen to the stuff between, I've got a kind of zone between kind of 1979 and 1989, right, that 10-year, and I've pretty much, if you go to my Spotify and the suggested songs are all in that era, yeah? Somebody else there? Do what it is. That's the best era. It is the best era. I know, I, 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 tell, I, tell, I tell people, I tell people that all the time. And, um, but I tell you what's brilliant is, I, I love it, I do love it though, when like, it's usually one of my son-in-laws give me, gives me a song that I've not heard before that's maybe from the 90s. No, that, but it's a bit more. <laughs> reason. And you think, man, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I do still have that thing of loving new music. There's something about it. And this power of music and song has been known since the beginning of time. Like I say, the large part, I mean, the Old Testament, big chunks of it are songs, songs and poetry. The Psalms is all songs and poetry. Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, these are all kind of poetic, song-type writing. The the Old Testament's full of songs. King David loved to sing praises to God. We'll all have hymns and songs that that we love, that that will always hold a place in our hearts. But sometimes if we just stick to the old stuff or what we know, we can become almost immune to, to the meaning of it and, and things like kind of a bit of sentimentality can 
creep in and I'm a bit of that kind of misty thinking and, you know, um, reminiscing creeps in, which is why it's important to keep ourselves fresh with what's going on. We begin singing words with our lips and I think once we start, that's why I said this morning it's good to speak out what we're revealing to God because once we start to speak it out, what, what is on our lips actually we start to draw things up out of our hearts. We need, to, we need to almost like break the seal by talking, by speaking the words out, and then we've created a channel for the things in our hearts to come up. And repeatedly in the scriptures, we're told to sing a new song to the Lord. And songs can touch our hearts in a powerful way. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, then God will touch our heart in a powerful way through songs, through words. In Matthew's gospel, it tells us about a time where the disciples and Jesus sang together as they went to the Mount of Olives. I think it's Matthew 26. And can you imagine, can you imagine worshipping with Jesus? Like, I wonder what his voice was like. I wonder what it was like for the disciples to sing psalms with Jesus. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? We're going to do that one day. We're going to sing with Jesus. Can you imagine? We are going to glorify the Father beside the Son. Isn't that incredible? We're going to sing with Jesus. And I'm sure that Jesus sang with his whole heart. I'm sure that he poured, brought everything into the light for the Father. We actually see that in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a, a line where Jesus, his, whole, his humanity, part of him, when he says, says to the Father, he's going to the cross, and he says, if there's, if there's another way you can do this, now's the moment. But then what does he say? His next thing is, but not my will, but yours be done. Isn't that the reality of worship? God, I hate the way things are going just now. I don't like this pattern. I don't like this direction of travel. Like, if there's another plan, if there's another way to do this, let, let's, let's, let's do it. However... If this is your will, let your will be done. Isn't that what worship is? That's right. And that's, don't you see that in David and the Psalms, that pattern, the way that Jesus expressed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Psalm 98, um, we read that, I read that at the, at the start. I'll not read that again. One of the things as well that I want to encourage you with is this, that it's okay to make your worship personal. It's okay to make your worship personal. Quite often in the past, there's been a lot of debate about songs being about the individual, about songs about me, and we should always be singing songs about how great God is and songs to, to God, which I 100% concur with. But it's also okay to sing to God and tell him about how you're feeling. It's not a demeaning. It's not. It doesn't demean God that we tell Him how we feel, that we want Him in a intimate and I don't know in a personal way. That's okay. Didn't, didn't He die for that? That we'd have an intimate, close connection with Him, and and that's not new. I, I remember, you know, when when I was involved in worship, there was all, there was a lot of kind of debate about that that we should be we shouldn't be singing songs about ourselves or it's too personal. But let me 
take you to show you how long this has been happening, right? Do, do, do you recognize these lines? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Can you get any more personal than that? One of the greatest hymns in my views ever, ever written by one of the greatest songwriters ever written, or, or that's ever been around. The person who wrote it was called Fanny J. Crosby, and she also wrote To God Be the Glory, which is a song that is outwardly expressing To God Be the Glory, great things he has done. Once she's one of the greatest hymn writers that, that ever lived, and she has this song about this is my story, this is my song, personal, if you like, in, inward. And then she writes this other great, like, classic, to God be the glory, great things he has done. It's, it's not either or, guys, it's both and. It's both and. These words and, this, and a lot of these songs are written to speak to us personally. They're to, they're to become our songs, to be sung from our hearts. We make these songs that other people have written, our testimony to, to God, we, we, that's what, and that's what we should do in our worship experience. Our, our worship is a testimony of God and our lives. It's okay to make the song your own. It's okay to make that, a song your prayer. It's okay to make the song your testimony. There are songs that have been written about our service to God. There are songs about our commitment to God. There are songs about God's promises to us. There are songs reminding us of God's loves. There are songs of celebration and testimony. And, and there are also songs, there are songs we sing about struggle. There are songs we sing about our struggles. We sing of God's help and strength through our times of struggle. And we can make these words our words. You can make these words your words. You can make these songs your song to the Lord. It's just surprising how many times the Bible says, sing a new song unto the Lord. So, question, because I always like to throw a question in, what, what song are you singing today? What song are you singing today? And what song will you sing tomorrow? Because tomorrow's song will be different from today's song. Let me give you a quick example of this. Exodus 15 this is, this is well known. So in Exodus 15, the, this is the, the first set of words that are described as a song in the Bible are found in Exodus 15. And it's a song about God being triumphant and victorious. It's a song about God's deliverance, about his promises being true. It's a song of joy. And it's, it's, um, it's a lot of verses. I'm just going to read a few here. Um, this is Exodus 15 verse 1, and, and just for the context, this is the children of Israel have um, been freed from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, and they've crossed the Red Sea. Remember when Moses held his staff up, the sea parted, and, and they walked through, and they got to the other side of the Red Sea, and the Egyptian soldiers followed them, but didn't make it to the other side, because God closed the sea. And it says this in the aftermath, Exodus 15, verse 1, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. So just a point there, right? They're singing exactly about what God's doing. It's not poetic. They're singing 
specifically of what God did there. He has hurled both horse and rider in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Move on to verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. And it ends in verse 18 with the Lord will reign forever and ever. That's not a bad first song, have to say, in, in the Bible. But, but here in, in Exodus, the children of Israel have all the reason in the world to be singing because God has freed them from their bondage in Egypt. And on top of that, not only has he freed them, he's eliminated their enemies. He's eliminated the problem and the circumstances and the source of their bondage right in front of their eyes. So we see in Exodus 15, Moses and the children of Israel coming together to sing a song to the Lord. And this song, the thing I love about it is that they're not singing it just to kind of like memorialize what has happened. They're no, the song is actually being sung to the Lord. They're not just singing about, here's a song about something that happened. They're singing the song to the Lord. Their audience, all these people, two million people who think this is, they had an audience of one. Their audience was to God, to God himself. No one else, they weren't singing to one another. They weren't singing to the nations around them. They weren't singing to anyone else other than God this is a heartfelt song directed to God himself. God has shown them that his salvation is real and his power and his presence were with him even through all their struggles and they are his people and they sing the song to God. So why, why, why am I saying that? If we're singing our songs to someone else or something else, we're worshipping a false god. So that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it is true. When we direct our words and our innermost stuff to anyone other than the Father, we're worshipping something else. We're worshipping something else. And in our culture just now, there's a, there's a lot of putting ourselves out there there's a lot of people saying how they feel and a lot of it goes out in social media and different things and it's like I'm sure God must watch us and, and watch his creation sometimes and say tell me tell me don't tell someone else don't tell each other don't tell this anonymous meta world tell me tell me they directed this song towards God they could have stood in a huddle and said whoa wasn't that amazing to each other? Did you see how those chariots and those soldiers just like thought they were coming right across here and the sea just came in and took them? They weren't doing that. They were going to God. They recognized that this was the hand of God and they directed all their attention and all their words and all their praise towards God. There's a real contrast here, though, because if you go back to the previous chapter in Exodus, before the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, they were afraid because they'd saw Pharaoh and his army coming towards them, and they were trapped. They had the army behind them, and they had this, the Red Sea in front of them. And now, um, 
now that they're on the other side, they can look back and see why God allowed this to happen. Um, and that's why they could sing this song. But when you go back in Exodus chapter 14, one chapter before, before they get to the Red Sea, listen to the words of the children of Israel. This isn't described or given the headline as being a song. But this is what the children of Israel said. So Exodus 14, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? A bit of a contrast to the song they sing in the following chapter. Why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That was the children of Israel's old song. <laughs> See, when they were in the midst of their struggle and their bondage and their dash for freedom was being curtailed by, by Pharaoh's army, they weren't singing songs of joy and praise to God. They were mourning and they, were not, they weren't actually even talking to God. They were moaning at Moses about what, was, what their circumstances were. And you know, this is why I'm asking the question, what song are you singing? You see, we, 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 can, we can sit there in chapter 15 and we can say, isn't that an amazing song that the children of Israel sang about God's goodness, about his deliverance, and about upholding his promises? But literally something like 10 verses before that what I've just read is their song. Yeah? Our song changes. Our song changes. But we have to sing the new song. I believe that in this, we actually see a picture, again, I've quoted it already, of Paul's description of becoming a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away, all things become new when we, we, we give our lives to Christ. The reality of life for the children of Israel on one side of the Red Sea was completely changed and turned around when they got to the other and God gave them a new song. And what we have to be careful of is that when things aren't going our way, when times are tough, when we can't see God in our circumstances, that we don't go back and sing that old song. God, do you know what you're doing? Like, why am I here? Why is everything all going wrong? Why is nothing going my way? How come everything's working out for these guys, but I'm still in my situation? That's okay to say that to God but we have to get to the new song. We can sing all that to God, we can say all that to God, but there's a word that we have to put in after we say it, and that word is but. But you are my Lord, you are my God, you are my strength, my shield. Just as you did in the past, you will do again. Yeah? See, the new song always encompasses praise and acknowledgement of God, that God is bigger all this stuff's going on, but you are God. 
And I just want to encourage you with that, guys, that we go through stuff and it's okay to speak it out. It's okay to tell God how you're feeling. But if we want to see change and we want to see God move, we have to get the word but at the end of our rant and say, but you are my God. You are my shield. You are my strength. You are my hiding place. You have said you will never abandon me. You will never leave me. God, I feel abandoned, but I am not abandoned because you said I'm not. I feel like I'm stumbling about in darkness, but I can't be because you said you are the light of the world. I don't have the strength to keep going, but Jesus said I am the bread of life. I am your sustenance. I am your resource. Yeah? You see, We've got to get that the right way around. We have circumstance but promise. Don't get that wrong. You don't go promise, you know, Jesus, you said, or God, you said you will never leave me or abandon me, but I am abandoned. Yeah, we we do it the right way down. Circumstance but promise. Why Why would we stand?